and it was a crate full of roosters. Like live, live roosters? Like, like live roosters going to a fight. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Business Aviation Collective podcast, sponsored by LD Aviation. Today we get a chance to talk to Barry Lambert. He is the VP of Charter Operations for Southern Sky Aviation. He's also a top 40 under 40 member, as well as a former small business owner. Hello, Barry, and welcome. Hey, Lindsay. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you so much for taking your time to talk to us today. Thank you for having me on. You bet. I I think you have like a really super interesting background, and I want to really get into that. But I kind of want to start with the top 40 under 40. How did you get nominated? Do you know who nominated you? I don't, uh, excuse me, at the time I didn't know, and I've done some digging and asking around, and of course, I've had five people lay claim that they put my name in, and it was it was a surprise. I had no clue. I just one day opened up my email, and I was like, 40 under 40, what does this mean? That is That is awesome. That means all those people thought you were an exceptional individual and put your name in the hat. That's wonderful. What what does the top 40 under 40 mean to you? You know, I've been trying to figure out how to put words to it. It to me, it was it was a shock for one. And Mm -hmm. because I I look at everything that I do, and I do it because it's necessary. I do it because it needs to be done because it's the right thing. And, you know, it was it was felt great to be recognized that some of the things that I do are outstanding, I guess, if you would say, and that a lot of it comes back to the leadership that I've been able to learn from mentors through the past and be able to give back to other people over the years. That's awesome. Later on down the line in the podcast, I would love to talk to you and ask you more about that mentor, those mentors. But I have to say, I find anybody that we interview on the top 40 under 40 really are exceptional people. Just like you, they give back, they do what needs to be done. Um, just really exceptional people. So congratulations. It's really a, a really great honor. No, thank you. Well, let me tra- um, switch over to Southern Sky Aviation. Southern Sky Aviation pretty much runs the gamut of things that it does. So can you kind of tell us about Southern Sky and what does your role include for them? So Southern Sky Aviation is based in Birmingham, Alabama. And we I'm going to start with our FBO division. We've got one FBO currently in operation at KPQL, uh, Moss Point, Mississippi. And then we are under construction on our second FBO location at Panama City, ECP. Nice. Also, so outside of our FBO division, we also have a 145 repair station based in Birmingham, Alabama, which we specialize in some piston work on the Diamond Cirrus and, and Textron lines, turboprop King Airs, and then Citation Jets and Beach okay. Jets. Okay. Um, awesome. And so outside of those two, we have we're left down to our uh, aircraft sales, which mm-hmm. we we handle typically a couple transactions a year for a lot of our clients. Okay. Uh, who and then we have our charter and management division where we handle 135 operations, but we also provide 91 management. Nice. And how many aircraft do you have on your certificate? Are you guys a large fleet? Today we have five aircraft on the certificate and two nice. 91 managed aircraft. All right, very cool. 
That's awesome. So what does a day in the life of Barry look like? What do you do as well, that's part VP of, of that's, Charter? That's part of the reason I love my job is because I don't know what each day is going to bring. It could bring from a phone call on a Saturday evening that something has happened, good, bad, or indifferent, with mm-hmm. you know crews traveling all around the continental United States, or it could be mechanicals, etc. So for me, a lot of a lot of my time is spent being the the communicator between the Southern Sky Aviation and to each one of the aircraft owners because we manage all the aircraft and do leasebacks on the 135. Outside of that, I manage our, for the charter management side, um, over the accounting piece, the sales, scheduling, business development. Crazy, like all aspects of that company. Mm -hmm. And then I also handle aircraft sales as well. Nice. So I wanted to touch a little bit more on that finance part of it. It looks like you have a lot of finance background, aircraft finance, and you guys have created for your owners reporting package. That piqued my interest because data is king and everybody wants to know what's going on, how much it costs, all those data points. So what do you guys provide for your owners? No, it's so so funny is we're going to say 11 years ago, I was managing my first aircraft. We were partnering with the this charter company and the reporting was not where we wanted it to be. So at the end of each month, they would provide their statement with a little bit of information. And I started creating the spreadsheet that would capture not only the income statement for the month, but also the operating account that was being managed for the aircraft, what, where we were year to date, where we were for, you know, the entire ownership period, the operating history. So that mm-hmm. way we could have a good financial overview of it. And then then I started, then over the years, I've added different pieces to it for looking at budget versus actual, you know, drilling down and knowing what our operational costs are by hour, mm-hmm. knowing what every fuel, every penny on fuel is spent and what our average fuel spend is by gallon for the month. And so we started it, it started out as a one-page report and now has, has turned grown legs and really turned into as big or as small as you want to be. You know, you, you do you open up the first page and there's your charts and graphs. So you can get a good picture of where you are for the month and the year to date. You mm-hmm. flip to the second page, you've got a great income statement, your balance for your, your operating accounts. And then, boom, then you start seeing your flight history. You start seeing your details. You start seeing your actual receipts so that way there's full transparency in all the income and expenses for each one of the aircraft owners so they can do as little or as much research each month into the finances as they want to very nice very cool and that sounds like a ton of data capturing perhaps even entry so how is that done is it done a lot by hand or is there a software program that helps you with it starting out it was just me and an excel sheet and then over the years, it, it changed, but currently, and, and we've been using an, a company called Mascot to okay. help, and it has it has been automating our process of of being able to collect our expenses and be able to put that data into reporting. Nice. 
I have heard of MySky. One of our new clients has just signed up with them. So I'm really excited to see how that's working. But I have heard it it takes a lot of that manual labor away from it. It does. And, you know, I don't. So this is not a product plug for them. And this is, you know, John there. He's great. He's fantastic. One of the things that I will tell anybody that's looking into it is that AI takes time to set up. Okay. And you're dealing with AI. So it's it's not like, you know, we used to buy a computer program or a software suite and we would set in the settings and then we had our manual entry. This is constant trial and error because there are AI settings that have to be tweaked to completely automate some of your processes. So patience and communication. Okay. Patience and communication are two two important factors to remember. Awesome. Okay. I will take that into account because, yeah, we are really just starting that one. It, it makes sense. The AI has to learn what it is that you want it to do. That does make it. sense. How about what is the strangest thing that's happened to you, perhaps, at Southern Skies? Mm, the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. I'm not. Um, this has happened throughout the years. Um, I can't remember exactly what year this happened. I don't even remember which company I was at. But I mm -hmm. remember getting a call. It was Christmas. And we were doing a flight into Mexico. And the customers had loaded on a wooden box that they okay. said had their, um, that they said had some of their belongings and stuff that they needed. Mm -hmm. oh. And <laughs> after landing in Mexico, Customs came out to the airplane. They made them open the box up, and it was a crate full of roosters. Like live, live roosters. Like, like live roosters going to a fight. <laughs> okay, I haven't had that one before. And wow, that was you know uh, four hours later, we were able to get everybody back from the, the black vans that pulled off and drove off with the. The roosters and the passengers, the crew was calling me. They're like, we don't know what's going on. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> so we get everybody back. We fly the roosters back to the United States. By the way, you can drive across the border with roosters. So, uh, you know, we, but you can't we, we fly. Come, you got it. You can't fly in there. Kind of like how you got to have the passport book, can't have the passport card. So yep. we were able to get uh, passenger and roosters back to the United States, and they were able to run a car, and they were still able to meet, make their meeting. <laughs> that is funny because, yeah, I've never had that before. There's always something new in aviation, I and, tell you. <laughs> and keep, hold on, let me – I don't condone this activity. <laughs> And nobody knew what was going on until after the fact, and it was sure. Wow, right? Because yeah, you could be like, oh, then you get you know some hate mail for for chicken fighting, and oh. hmm. <laughs> that's crazy. That's a funny one. All right, that is a great story. <laughs> that that took um, up um, that took up three months of of life dealing with the <laughs> authorities, uh, uh, the Mexican government. And was your airplane supposed to come back or was it supposed to stay there? It was supposed to stay there. Yeah. So everybody all of a sudden had to come back. Oh, my gosh. So extra legs on there and everything. Oh, I'm going to remember chickens. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
Okay. Well, I also want to highlight your small business. I know you're not doing it now, but you used to do Mm -hmm. a small business. Tell us about that because I think that having your own business creates some, you know, it's extra, extra duties that you end up doing fun, some fun, some not so fun, but yeah, I'd love to hear about your business that you had. One thing I, I can speak to aviation is that up until 2018, I think, 2017, mm-hmm. for me, this was never, I, I'd never received a paycheck or a W-2 job. Everything okay. was, everything was done 1099. And yeah. it was, you know, starting out in aircraft sales and really learning the business, the people, and building those relationships and networks. And, you know, for a time I spent there in the company that I was running is I was working with an investor group and we would buy aircraft, put them on charter certificates, staff them, build a a charter business, quote unquote, and then we would lift the aircraft back for sale. Okay. All right. So like so that way we're providing a turnkey solution for an aircraft purchaser. It's it's already staffed, there's training already set up, and everything is meeting not not just what we're saying, oh look, we're meeting the one thirty five standards. We're mm-hmm. our, we've already gone through conformity, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. Sounds that sounds really like really cool. And now the building of that company stemmed from is it a childhood and high school experience that you guys maybe you and your friend did? No, so it starts back even earlier than that. In third grade, I met my one of my best friends and by the time we were in fourth grade, we were passing executive controllers around talking about how we were gonna sell airplanes together one day. Oh my gosh, that's great. And somewhere around Somewhere between fourth and sixth grade, I was able to take my first flight. It's on a King Air 350. I was put on the back seat right by the door. Ben, don't say a word. The buyers are on the airplane. Okay. <laughs> so oh. I, I remember we went up. We, we took a flight for about an hour so they could demo the aircraft, came back down. Uh-huh. And I was motion sickness. I mean, it was just a, it was hot. Oh. It was a bad yep. experience. But... <laughs> I knew right then I was like, I I mean, this is interesting. This is fun. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, I could see myself doing this. I could see myself Mm -hmm. having these conversations and building these relationships. And it every day is a new day. Mm -hmm. So we went through school and, you know, right when we graduated high school, we we stayed in touch. We were still close. He went one way. I went another way. And it's probably about seven years later, something like that. I think I was, we're going to say I was 25. He calls me and says, hey, you want to come sell airplanes? I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I do. I go, great. Well, I, I said, when do you want me to start and how much does it pay? He goes, well, one, it doesn't pay and you can start today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a pretty good job offer. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, at the time I was working for a, a soda bottling company and I did anywhere from supporting the sales team to administrative accounting to to local and regional contracts. And I was like, I got this. I got this. So I put in my two-week notice. I showed up at the airport, and I worked from a small broom closet 
with a desk that I had to prop up. I forgot what I propped it up with. I want to say it was like a mini fridge that I found because it was leaning over. And, <laughs> and so the rest is history from there. That is so cool. So starting in third grade. That's, so this yep. is a lifelong passion that you've had aviation. Yes. That is really and, cool. You know, after what year are we in? So after 13 years roughly of doing this, I'm still, I still look forward to it every day. And every day is still a new day. Right. It like gets in your blood and there's no, there's no getting out of it, yep. getting away from it. That's really cool. Well, over those years, any, uh, have you found a favorite aircraft that you like either to sell or to operate? Yes. I would say okay. my favorite aircraft to date is probably the Citation XL and XLS series. Okay. You know, I, I built a, a lot of knowledge and I gained a lot of knowledge on the, uh, on the series and of all the aircraft that I've managed from turboprops to midsize jets. It has, it has performed in terms of financially on the operating cost all the way to dispatch reliability for the needs of the aircraft on this. It, it is the, in terms of assets, it is the one that has let me down the leap. Okay. That's excellent. And it's really important. It's important for buyers out there to know that as well. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Um, you mentioned a couple, uh, a couple, quite a few different departments that you've touched on or done throughout the years, you know, business development, uh, finance, operations, charter. Is there one that you like better than other, the other? That's all. I mean, that, that's almost like asking me which one of my kids is favorites. <laughs> Yeah, I get that too, right? You just, <laughs> you enjoy all of it. I do. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy every single bit of it. And I think the best way to put it is that it's not so much whether I like aircraft sales, better than charter or 91 management. I enjoy growing. I enjoy scaling a business because it allows me to go and hire people and help build this industry and help put new energy and new perspective. I've been very fortunate here. We've gone from two to, to nine employees to be wow. able to handle, you know, anything from accounting to business development to scheduling to dispatch. And it's been a it's been a vast and fun process. And my biggest passion is trying to tell and I, I say this all the time, it's not so much everybody says building leaders, building leaders. I like to tell everybody what I did wrong. Be like, okay. hey, there's a at mile marker 172. Do not turn left. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hit on a topic I was just going to ask you about because you have had a very successful career, but I'm sure not everything was successful. Was there a challenge along the way that was just, you know, you overcame or or you learned something, learned not to do again? You know, not that I can. I mean, I hate to say this, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, well, that's is, great. You know, I'm going to go back to um, a show that I've been watching, and everybody else may be watching it too. It's uh, Ted Lasso, and one of the phrases on there is be a goldfish. So when you do something wrong, be a goldfish. Remember it, know it, and forget it. Move on. Don't okay. All right. That's good. That's really good. Because uh, if, if you start with all that, if you if you keep going to all that, you're just going to be bogged down with so much baggage. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Just keep on moving. Keep on creating. 
which is what obviously you're doing. You just keep on creating more and, and new things, which is so cool. How about outside of aviation? What are you passionate about outside of aviation? Is there something else that you love doing? Um, there's things outside of aviation. Right. <laughs> I get that. So, no, I've, I've got a family and I spend outside of work. I spend all of my time with, uh, with my wife and two daughters. Nice. Two daughters. How old are they? Seven and two. Ooh, seven to two. Okay, so you're in a, you're in a time where there's a lot of hands-on work going on. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's so much fun, though. Seven we're, and two. Is... I'm learning soccer with one of them. We're trying to teach one how to cook, and the other one, well, we're trying to teach not to bite and pinch. Okay. Hey, those are yes, those are right on <laughs> right on target for those age groups. That cooking stuff, I love the um, they have those online cooking classes that you can do for kids and. I know this is totally not aviation, but outschool.com. I really like them for those cooking classes. If you ever, actually, they have a million different types of classes, but my daughter did Jamaican cooking and she made some spectacular Jamaican food. So what I, I try, we, tr- we try to tie in when she's going through history and ge- geography right now, we're trying to tie in what part of the country or what part of the world she's studying about and try to do a different dish based on where she's at. That's great. And then uh, what we signed up for a, um, an, a box is called international yums. And mm-hmm. every month they send you snacks from a different country. Oh, so that very way, cool. I mean, for me, I'm from a small town in Alabama. So it was, I don't know. I'll, I'll say this to you. I think it was 19 for I was able to eat fast sushi. Yeah. Today, yeah. today, Alabama is not like that. But we were very, you know, not very cultured in getting out there, especially in food. Like, yeah, it was meat. It was meat and potatoes. Yep. Yep. Me too. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Minnesota. So it was a lot of, yes, meat and potatoes. We might have eaten walleye or trout once in say, a while. Uh, so I spent a week in St. Paul, and I think that I went on Yelp, I went on Open Table, and I ate at four restaurants. And every time I had the walleye, I had potato cakes. And <laughs> yep, I don't think I didn't find the number one restaurant for the Juicy Lucy either. Oh, you did find it? You went? I did. Oh my gosh, that's an awesome <laughs> spot. What a small world. I didn't even know anybody knew about the Juicy Lucy. So oh, I uh, I was up there on a transaction on a Challenger 300, and one of the one of the guys from the maintenance company was like, "You're trying to juicy Lucy." He's like, "Well, you are today." <laughs> I'm so glad they brought you to that. That is a great spot. <laughs> spot. And for those of you listening, um, juicy Lucy is a basically it's a really large hamburger with cheese inside. So when you bite the hamburger, you know, cheese melts out and, and that's what they call them is the juicy Lucy up there. So that's funny. Give it, give it a couple minutes when it gets to your table or you will burn your mouth. Yes. And don't have a cholesterol check in a week of after eating one. <laughs> very good advice for that. It's also very true. Oh my gosh. They're so good. I haven't been back for many years, so I uh, might go back this summer. Maybe I'll stop, stop by and get one. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yep. Juicy Lucy's. Well, cool. Well, 
I have, you have your whole family. You've got two kids. I mean, there takes time for family. You've got a whole, um, gamut of things that you're managing at work. Are there any, any suggestions on how to manage all of that well and to keep yourself sane? Hmm. I'm not sane. Please don't, uh, please don't infer <laughs> that I'm sane or that I have sanity. Um, I thought that was a requirement to get into this industry that you had to check that box of not there. Um, <laughs> it's probably no, a good I idea. Can, I can tell you there's a couple of things that keep me sane. One is that my spouse supports me. That's cool. She, yeah. she understands what this business is. She's been with me since the first day that I stepped foot into it, and mm-hmm. she supports me in, in how I conduct business. Awesome. Two, and this would probably be an HR nightmare for an HR person listening, but I treat everybody like their family. Um, oh, yeah. I don't. You know, we are we're all here for a short time and this industry is small and we don't have time to to be mean or rude or, you know, we treat each other like family and we try to build each other up. And whether that's goofing around, playing around or it's, you know, teaching new things and listening to different perspectives. So, you know, I had a decision that I needed to make today. I called in the two people that had the decision that I needed to make. And I talked, I laid out the situation. I said, look, I want to talk to you about this decision before I make it. Mm-hmm. And yep. so it's a, you know, trying to have a very open relationship and not very, I'm just here for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Now, do you find that to be uh, um, almost like a Southern piece of it or more common in the South? So I've lived a lot of places in the U.S., I just recently went back to Atlanta after being gone for seven or eight years. And at least to me, it was like, there's a, there's a difference there. And people in the South often do have just like, they're very friendly. And then you move to different parts of the country and it's a bit more like, this is work and that's it. Hmm. Do you find that? Or perhaps that's just mine. You know, so I can say that. I've done transactions with people outside of the Southeast. I've had clients out of the South, outside the Southeast. I've never worked for a company outside the South. But, you know, I've, I've spoken with a lot of, and I've, I've started to think about it. And, um, yeah, I think you're probably right. Cause I was trying to think about it. I was like, no, but no, but they think similar. Oh, never mind. They're from Texas. No, they're from Virginia. No. <laughs> but, right? um, yeah, it's just, no, I just find that it's just a little bit different sometimes on those transactions. And well, I, I think it has to, for me, it all starts with a mutual respect of the position. And that mm-hmm. mutual respect, once you realize the competency and that mutual respect between builds up, then it can turn into friendship. And yeah, so that's how a lot of, you know, I look at, a lot of my friendships that I have are based on that mutual respect. And what's funny is that they've lasted and even gotten stronger, even being in different companies. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, really in aviation networking and just the people that, you know, and, and like you said, having those friends is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple more things about your background. So one is the, um, Alabama Business Aviation Association. You are the treasurer of that. What 
What are you guys up to, like, like events-wise? Do you have anything coming up? You know, there are a few people that are going to be really disappointed in me. Um, I'm trying to think. No, no, that's not head. what I meant. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I caught you off guard there with that question. No, no. we're, we're going to have a lunch in uh, soon. I think we're looking at the next two, three weeks. We're okay. going to be announcing scholarship winners. And, you yeah. know, to me, that that's just fantastic. Uh, that yes. is the whole point is to spread the word, to let people know about aviation, bring in new people. And, you know, I think as an organization, we've been around for about five years total. This We're doing our third annual. We just finished up our third annual safety day. We're going to be doing our third annual golf tournament this year. So in three years of really fundraising, we're already mm-hmm. able to sponsor four scholarships this year. That is so cool. And those are really important in this industry. We try and do a lot of interviews for people who have won scholarships as well. And mm-hmm. you're you're right on target. They're bringing more people into the industry or you're maybe mm-hmm. getting that person who may be dabbling in it. You're getting them to really focus on a certain part of it. And what a great way to so, give back. Yeah, so for us, you know, we're focused on one flight, not we're focused on flight, non-flight, and on uh, continuing education. So even right. people who are already in it, that you know, they may need the funds to be able to step up and educate themselves further. We're trying mm-hmm. to provide those means to be able to where they can go out and do that third-party education to help build their career and build their place for their next step. That's great. Well, we really wish you a continued success in that. And if any of the listeners want to check out your website, you know, check out the Alabama Business Aviation Association. And I know they're, they're really, you guys are really running strong. I've heard some really great things about you guys in the industry. One last question. What do you think aviation is going to look like in about five years or so? Because we've had a lot Ooh. of change over the last five years. What do I think aviation is going to look like over the next five years? Yeah. Mm. I mean, we see that the AI is coming into it more often. Any thoughts? I think there's definitely consolidation coming in this space. Okay. Um, we've, you know, if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, we've got roughly, I'm going to, I'm going to round up. We've got 2000 operators, uh, 2000 charter operators inside the United States. And right, fifty percent of them have two aircraft or less. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, your top in terms of number of certificates. You've got your top five percent, which are, you know, the net jets, the AJM jet wheels up. You've got uh, Vista. You've got the, you've got the behemoths, and you know, I think there will always be a place for small business and aviation. But I think the landscape itself is going to change because since I got into it, it was funny. It's it seems like on outside of the FAA regulatory on operating the aircraft and maintaining the aircraft, it's always mm-hmm. been the wild west. And, you know, today we're talking about, you know, brokerage standards, brokerage licenses, all these potentials of these things to where we're trying to self-govern and start regulating our industry. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to start seeing some of those talks and conversations start really coming to light and uh, and trying to protect the consumer more. Interesting. That's great, which I guess is good, you know, um, protect that consumer. It could be mm-hmm. difficult for some of the smaller ones to to uh, abide by all the rules. But ultimately, yeah. if it becomes a safety, a, a better safety record. 
But I think it's, I think, I think it's an industry. You think about how young we are as an interest industry. I mean, Mm -hmm. if, you know, and I may miss, misquote or misspeak a little bit, but, you know, private aviation, we've been an industry for 60, 70 years as a whole. Yeah, probably. Um, Mm -hmm. Sounds right. Let's look at real estate. I mean, the United States code for real estate is, was adopted from, from, um, the UK. Mm. We adopted something from when we were even, a, before we even were a country. Uh-huh. So I think, I think, you know, aviation as an industry has things that it can learn from other industries that have experienced more, learn more, and that mm-hmm. we can look to some of those to help guide us as we mature as an industry. Mm-hmm. Great insights. Super good insights. Well, Barry, it has been so great talking to you. What if somebody else wanted to talk to you? Maybe you've inspired them to, you know, join the charter world or aircraft sales world. Where could we get a hold of you? I can be reached by email. My Southern Scott email address is B L A M B E R T. That's B Lambert at iflyssa.com. Uh, or my personal email, which is blambertii at icloud.com. Feel free to find me on LinkedIn and send me an invite. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Barry, I hope to talk to you again soon. You had some great insights, wonderful story. Thank you for all that you do in this industry. And keep it up. We can't wait to see where you go in the next 20 years. Look forward to it. Thank talk you, you so much for today. Bye-bye. Thank you. for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes and check out our website for up and coming podcasts. This has been a production of the Business Aviation Collective sponsored by LD Aviation.